and welcome to another wonderful, fantastic episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Spring has sprung here. We are excited. I am one of your two hosts, Crofton Steers, with me, my co-host with the co-most. Oh. I'm talking about Ryan Murphy. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Uh, we're recording about podcast stuff, Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, I'm looking forward to discussing many topics. Some of which include lack of sleep, which is always fun. Yeah. Yes, no. Like, there's a lady actually at work today uh, who was who has a two-year-old. They went on a trip to Morocco or something exotic. With their kid? And, yeah, with their kid. Huh. Because to be fair, the <clears throat> father was from Morocco, so they had to do like a family sort of oh, thing, go okay. see that. But like now – they, they had a great trip. They got back, and sleep is totally effed, and she looks like the walking dead, and she is just like uh, – all her sleep training is undone, and they're they're trying to they're trying to do it again. And I remember being there. Like I'm not there right now, and I probably will be there sometime again. Hmm. But right now I'm not. Right now my kids sleep really well, and I'm, I, I, just, I just had a moment of like, man, that is really painful. She's in a painful – Spot. Stephanie, think, if you're uh, listening to this, I'm thinking of you. Is she? Um, you, you know, you no, think she's not. <laughs> well, then I will say this: you think daylight savings time kind of prepares you for? I, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Like, would there ever be an instance where I would take my small children across time zones? That just seems so irresponsible. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, yeah. of course. Um, of but, course, you're going to travel with your kids sometimes, and time zones are a thing you're going to cross. But uh, sometimes I have a hard time even just convincing myself to bring the kids to my parents, which is a couple hours drive. Like even even a couple hours in the car can be like, I don't know, guys, this could be dicey. <laughs> See, the thing is, is that the trip could go very well and that's where where things get really confusing because you're like wow this was an amazing trip who knew the kids were so resilient right and then you get home and then oh surprise it's once you're back home all the good habits you had are now out the window your kids are acting crazy they're not sleeping oh man so that's that's uh that's the the tough spot and people don't think about that they think about like no. oh how is my kid going to handle the trip and but really probably pretty well i don't want to say all kids but like probably be like oh there's a lot going on this is crazy and then they get home and 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 uh yeah they're they're broken you broke them yeah. good job stephanie <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry stephanie if you're listening to this i, I didn't think she i thought so i thought she wasn't listening you're i'm just gonna have to send Every person that's named Stephanie in your Facebook friends list the link to this episode and be like, one of you got to be the people who went to Morocco. So, so uh, just speaking uh, of that, uh, so it turns out, mm -hmm. like as much as I think that everybody in the entire world is listening to this podcast, they are. I yeah. I always knew that there was one person that was not, and that was my wife, which oh. was great. I thought because... it was maybe Stephanie. I thought we established it was Stephanie. Oh, no. See, that's it. That's why I backtracked on Stephanie because oh. technically everybody's probably listening or will be eventually, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my wife hears me talk enough as it is. I had, <laughs> I had no suspicion that she would ever listen to a podcast between right. me talking. So uh, she's back at work this week, which we'll talk about a little bit later and last mm -hmm. week. Uh, and so now she has time – 
both commuting to work and at work. And she's like, oh, I think I'll sort of get into podcasts. Ooh. And I'm, I said, good, podcasts are awesome. She's like, maybe I'll start listening to your parenting one. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you should I, do that. I don't think we do anything like, you know, okay. I mean, if she's listening right now, uh, this will probably be the cleanest episode, I guess. Well, this will be a test. Oh, Jess, a test. If you've if you've made it this far, then thank you so much for your support. Yes, it's really you. awesome. We really appreciate like. I mean, it. she started from the beginning, and she caught up all the way. Oh, she here. shouldn't That's do that. She'll spoil Infinity War and Into the Spider. Well, she saw Infinity War oh, with me. Okay, and, and now she's caught up on Spider Verse. But here's the thing: uh, she. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you recall this, Ryan, but I did have a moment where I was talking about our sleep training and me playing a switch. Oh, you're not allowed to do that? And ignoring my child crying. Remember well, should we bring that, that up again right now? In well, case this is the only episode she ever to. Well, I got a text from her at work today oh. being like, I was listening to your podcast. You were ignoring Gwen, oh. uh, Clara crying. And I was like, uh, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Can you, like you and subscribe. Can like and subscribe. <laughs> you know, we've all said stupid things on a podcast that certain people hear, and then you get emails or texts or punches in the arm. Um, mostly for me, uh, like uh, Ashley doesn't listen to podcasts. I've tried to get her to listen to podcasts here and there. She really likes like crime, like she likes um, Criminal Minds. So every time I hear one of those like serials, like you got to listen to serial, and that even didn't really get her into it. But she hears because I don't have a door in my office which is a, uh, it's like I did something wrong as a teenager and then they removed the door. Um, she can hear half the podcast at least. So it would almost be like if she subscribed to this podcast, she would just fast forward through these bits where I'm talking and just listen to the crop, which I'm sure you would be a huge fan of. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's how most people listen to the show, actually. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. No, maybe. Hey, write in. Let us know uh, if you fast forward through just the Ryan bits. No, but I, I, tell, I tell Mike and Bo at the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast that, that I'm sure that that's what – people are just waiting for my verdict. Does she listen to Good, or... Bad, Bull? Because I think that one would be like – because she lives – she lives this podcast, or at least half the podcast. She she she's also enjoying, you know, kids not sleeping. Maybe maybe she's not enjoying playing Switch while her kid cries. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, I I would say that this is that podcast. It, it, one of the challenges of it was that there's a different topic every week, and it's yeah. not a guarantee you're going to be interested in that topic. Uh, whereas parenting is something that she's consistently interested in, and I think like That's good. You're, hearing. Hearing your experiences, um, you know, hearing me recapping some of the stuff that that's happened lately, I think she yeah. gets a kick out of that. Definitely the 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 dungeon side of the coin, she may be less keen on, but even that, like, I think that there's a lot of it that is stuff that that she's into as well. well right? We, so we relate I, the the dungeon stuff as best we can to the to the parenting side of things as well, right? So. Yeah, you're good at that, especially. I sometimes will just be like, I want to talk about this game, and I don't care. You no, know? that's fine. But, that's the whole point of the show. I mean, I have a whole other podcast to talk about the nitty-gritty of video games, and I will certainly indulge on uh, discussing you know, details as opposed to just like experiences uh, and how I found the time to, to enjoy those experiences. Uh, but no, that's really good. Well, welcome to the show. It's great she's starting from the beginning. The first episode, never listened to it. Uh, it, it's, uh, it was recorded probably over a year ago, 
before you even yep. had a second child. So That's right. It's almost like a time capsule, really. Um, it's true. Um, just speaking of some of this this game stuff, mm-hmm. I thought that maybe we'd jump right in Let's to the uh, the dungeons because, uh, in the interest of time management, I would like to uh, ensure that I get uh, to talk about this game that I'm these two. <laughs> Two sort of games, one video game, one board game that Ooh. I'm playing, and then I want I want to hear a little bit about what you're uh, you're playing as well. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, you know, I was off for a couple of weeks, uh, but it was to ease the transition into daycare. It was also March break in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a passport issue, which I may have documented on this show. But bottom line is, we don't have pot- passports, uh, and so we couldn't go out of the country or whatever. So we decided to stick around. Um, and that meant that I was like, I had some time, so I was like, okay, what's a what's a good sort of time sync game? And uh, and uh, so I I shelled out for Divinity Original Sin Two Definitive Edition, one of the worst named games that I can possibly think of, um, but actually super enjoyable. And like I've been missing D and D and that sort of stuff lately, and it really provides a pretty awesome substitution for it, mm-hmm. like a um. And uh, it it is a hardcore kind of game. Like it's like there's a lot of little items and inventory management, and it's not necessarily a game that I would normally be into. It's not a craft any game really, right? But but I've 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 really taken a shine to it, and I've I've completed the first act, which doesn't sound like much, but I think it was like wow. twenty five hours or something. What? Uh, That's yeah. a really good chunk. Uh, twenty five hours. That's really good. Yeah, it's a long it's it's a long game. I I told myself at the beginning like I'm not going to finish this game. Like there's pretty much no chance of that happening. So as long as I can come to terms with that, I'm just going to sort of enjoy enjoy the ride. Uh and uh so far it like so far it's been pretty fun. Combat's good. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things that's cool about this game, it's a role-playing game. Um in the truest sense. So instead of like having a character like in The Witcher, you play as a preset character and all that. Mm-hmm. And this, you can make up your own character, and and he can act, he or she can act the way that you want them to. And there's eight different ways to approach problems, and I I totally appreciate that. Like one of the game series I really liked growing up was this Quest for Glory Heroes Quest adventure games at Sierra Online. Uh, did and you in those games you would they played like a LucasArts or Sierra adventure game normally would except you would choose a fighter a magic user a thief and you could solve problems different ways like if there's a locked door you could you know bash it down as the fighter and there's or cast the open spell as the magic user or pick the lock as the thief so there's always there's always like at least three if not more ways of solving most of the puzzles which is weird for an adventure game which really normally only has one way of solving a puzzle right mm-hmm. so, yeah th- this is what so i remember from the original divinity uh, original sin where they they set up these rooms where you could like you said you could go through it multiple ways and one of them was uh, very early on like oh they're barrels you hit them the oil spills all over you light them on fire the room is on fire and suddenly all your enemies are on fire so uh, there are a lot of options and other options where you could you could electrify water and that was the the original the original original sin divinity words um allowed a lot of those combos to take place to have more complex dynamic gameplay so What's the biggest difference between the two? Like when you compare Divinity to Divinity Original Sin 2, 
Now, is there voice acting? Because remember, the first one was all text and it was a lot of reading. Okay, so so that's a really is that's a really good question, and mm. I I'll tell you. I was curious about that too because I bought Divinity Original Sin One Definitive Edition uh, when uh, when Divinity Two came out because they did that thing where they make the first game really cheap. You know, uh-huh. everybody's talking about the new game, which is eighty bucks, and I got the old game for like six bucks or something, right? <laughs> That's how but she the rolls, de- yeah. The Definitive Edition um, the, of Divinity Original Sin One had entire voice acting. Like that was something they added for the definitive edition. So oh, really, uh, yeah. So I've never played one of those games that doesn't have voice act. So like it has complete voice acting in the second one, even more so. I think like the narrator, everything is is voice acted, which is great. But I will say there's not a tremendous amount different from the first game to the second game, uh, at least from the first game's definitive edition. That there's a use of of um, of height, so like you can climb up ladders, and there's altitude in battle. Is a I don't remember being a deal in the first one where like you can yeah. do more damage from high up and and low down. Um, they've gone even crazier with some of the elements, like you know knocking over a barrel of oil cat you know lighting it on fire but now there's more and more of that stuff than there was before and i would say the biggest change to the day-to-day of combat and this was somewhat controversial is that you have your enemies and your characters have health bars but they also have a magic armor bar and a physical uh, armor bar Mm -hmm. and um before you can do damage to their health, you have to take away those armors. And it's the same thing with status spells, like a spell that would put someone to sleep. Until you eliminate their magic armor, it will not work. Um, and so uh, that is kind of – can be – it's strategic. can be kind of frustrating when you have like half your characters that only do physical damage and maybe half that only do magic damage. So then you may meet an enemy that has a lot of magic armor but very little physical armor and then half your party is kind of crappy, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, – and or vice versa for that matter. So, so that's something new. And of course like uh, uh, the story and scope. I think the intro to this game is a lot more compelling than the intro to the first game. So yeah, that's the first game else. was a little – slow to begin so with the characters because they're all custom have you created some interesting characters or did you kind of just hit the random button until you were satisfied i hate creating characters which Mm. is one of these uh a lot of people love that shit part of this game so you have um there are i want to say six pre-made characters with backstories um, and voice acting and all that so that you could choose one of those and start with one of them and you don't even have to worry about creating your own character. If you do not, which I didn't, I actually created my own character and I find that this, they streamlined the process and made it, made it very painless. So I appreciate that a lot. When you start the game, those six or eight or whatever, you're in a prison ship and those six or eight characters that you that are like pre-made that have stories or whatever um you can then have join your party so even if you're not they're not your main character you can still enjoy their story or have them like but only three of them can be in the party with you right and you get a couple of opportunities to switch out and And you can control uh, any of them at any time right that was the big thing about the original is you could swap back and forth yep 
Yeah. You can control there. You're controlling the whole party. Although my understanding, and I haven't gotten into that, is there's like there's online multiplayer, and I think couch co-op, and it would split the screen and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I think at first I thought that sounded really appealing, but having played the game, like, and see that it's like really a strategic game, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know. It'd be like playing XCOM and having somebody play each of your guys yeah like, that might be of... a little like hey move this way and then they go the other way and then the, you got a team wipe that might not be as right interesting but again like if you're communicating and you're hanging out in my mind it would be a slower game playing with somebody else and that would that would probably compound the the slowness like having to share part of the fun with somebody else i don't know maybe i've never played a co-op but i just feel like if you were like from what i remember of the original divinity original sin it was kind of it was a slower paced game and i imagine doing yeah. it with i i think i tried doing that one uh co-op and and that one we lost interest you, pretty quick you that one really the first one is like you have to create two characters at the beginning like yeah. you're a you're a pair from the beginning, uh, whereas this one you're a solo. You're solo with three, and you could choose. There's even like you could choose to be a lone wolf and try to. And there's a, a um, character attributes that will give you bonuses for doing that. But I mean, it would be I would say borderline impossible to play that game like as a lone wolf. I don't know how you would do it. Um, and uh, there's a, supposedly like a dungeon creation toolkit for dungeon masters who want to use the game, like game and create their own campaigns. Mm. That's way, that's way too complicated for me, but I definitely enjoy that. It, it really seems to have captured the spirit of dungeons and dragons. Most things that you think to yourself, I would like to be able to do this. Mm. You could probably do. Um, yeah. Divinity, so that's cool. Original sin two is really big. And there's another one. I think it's pillars of eternity Two. That's kind of mm-hmm. like, in the same vein and and people are like really latching onto it as a as a dungeons and dragons successor so a lot of those options now how do you find you know your limited like you kind of stick to a game and to, and then move on like how do you find yep how do you find your limited time sort of fitting in with such a large experience i know we talked about it last week and that you don't anticipate ever finishing it but are you feeling like your investment so far has been well worth it Oh yeah, like the investment speed. Well, like just if I stop playing now, I would feel feel like it was a good it was a good purchase. And this is and we've talked about this on the show before for both of us. It's like, like I'm not on the PlayStation right now, so Jesse has the TV, and so she's into a show. I think it's the Queer Guy show on uh, Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so like she'll be she's watching that, and I'll be playing Divinity. Whereas if I was wanting to be on the on the PS4. Uh, or playing, you know, games on that. And I almost impulse bought that uh, new From Software game this week, the Sekiro or whatever. Shakira, then I realized, yeah. I realized I never finished Bloodborne, so I'm like, maybe I should just do that instead, you know. But um, the uh, I the Sekiro look, I watched uh, James play a bit. Um, he was streaming it, and uh, it, it's uh, it's not my style. I mean, I tried Bloodborne. I tried to get into it. I, I dug it for what it was. But I'm content not not going back to that that even that developers games. Like I'll watch it. I was watching it. It looks interesting. There's more verticality to it as opposed to to uh, Bloodborne and and even Demon Souls, and that you have like a grappling hook. But I'm uh, I'm kind of content. Like I'm kind of kicking around in the Division Two. Uh, Anthem is completely um, 
I haven't touched it. I uh, since really? since Division came out. No, it's um that game. Uh, the Anthem has a lot of issues, and you can kind of establish the issues by just looking at the subreddit. Like it's just yeah. constantly people complaining about the game, and I don't even know why I'm subscribed to it anymore. I like the idea of the of Anthem becoming a great game this year at some point. I think that is certainly an, an option. However, I don't probably need to constantly remind myself that, oh, right, Anthem was was not, um, didn't really, you know, once you got to the end game, it's like, all right, put this away, we're done for now, see you in six months, you know, when they've added a bunch of new content. And that's kind of where we're at with, with Anthem or where I'm at. But with The Division 2, I moved on, I've been playing, you know, more co-op with, you know, Matt and other gaming parents. So, like, we're on the same schedules, like, we're like, oh, we're going to play you know uh the kids are in bed and we got some free time so that's been really nice so i'm slowly progressing through the division two and and you don't need to have played the division one really to no like the story in division two is not a story at all so the premise is the same as the division in the sense that the united states have been brought to its knees by some sort of flu that was spread through you know just I think paper money, I think they said it's, it's basically spread and has wiped out a good portion of the population. And you're, you're, the, you're part of the division. You're an agent. You're kind of a government arm that is like woken as a, as an agency to, to try to keep the peace while, while we fight off this virus. And of course, because this virus has wiped out most of the government and most of the authorities, uh, you've got the, the rival gangs coming up. So you got the crazies and you've got, um, they're crazy. Well, I mean, they are a little crazy. I I don't even know what they're called. Like they're the bad guys. They're the guys that you shoot. It's just it's so generic. And and in comparison to Anthem, at least you understood who the bad guys were, and you understood your uh the reason your reason for fighting. You know, in Division Two, it's like I don't know they're bad guys and they charge us and they shoot at us, so we should probably shoot back. And I think it's obviously it's probably more detailed than that but like the story isn't something to write home about and the connection to the division one is this virus event and you're on the you're in new york then you get a distress signal and and you look at your watch it's like oh i I gotta go to these coordinates so you follow the coordinates as your base is being bombed and you get to the coordinates like oh shit it's washington dc and there's the white house so you're in washington dc and you're just trying to secure the White House and kind of build it up. And, and it's essentially the same setup as the first one in that instead of building up and, you know, creating these communities in New York, you're now building up and creating these communities in Washington, D.C. One so. thing I wonder about these massive online games, because mm-hmm. the Division 2, uh, like Destiny 2, uh, is, you know, it's the only series other than Destiny, I think, that that has moved to the second installment. Like, there's no uh, For Honor two, there's no Rainbow Six Siege two, there's no Anthem two. Like mm-hmm. these 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 games, just um, the idea is that you they they do seasons, they patch in new stuff, yeah. you you play them forever. Is does the existence of the Division two and it's being well received? Like, would any is there any reason to play the Division one, or is it just now going to die? Uh, there's no reason to play the division one unless you're you're curious but what the division two does is takes division one and just does everything better like the loot better the ui is better it's similar but it's just it's all streamlined 
and it feel the shooting feels really good the cover mechanics where you can kind of latch on to cover and then you could hold you can kind of mouse around and then hold the space bar and your character will roadie run to the next piece of cover and get in cover automatically and you don't have to you don't have to control your guy in any way to kind of do the 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 nice finessing like he'll just do it automatically um so that feels really really good but yeah there's no reason to play the division one or the division two unless you're like looking to experience the game at a lower cost you know you talk about divinity original sin compared to two you can pick up the division i think it was part of the humble bundle um i might even have a code if people want to check it out uh from from buying all those humble bundles but um yeah there's no like you could even put division two and division one side by side like some like random street and you'd literally think it's the same game um i'm just wondering if it's like does you know like does destiny one still exist do people play destiny one it exists i I don't know if people still play it i would imagine people do and those games, and I don't know about either Destiny or The Division, are they 100% reliant on, like, can you play them solo? Like, is there... Well, you can or play will them they... solo. You, you can't play them offline. You have to be online to play them. So bottom line is the companies at one point may just pull those games down, especially if, if they have a sequel. That It's just, it's interesting to me that these new games, these new series, they... they um, they exist based on the player numbers and they are it's one thing if people go to a competitor it's another thing if you've created your own competition so instead of updating the division further they're like okay you know what f it new game here's a new game but the first game still exists it's just kind of it's just kind of odd Uh, and i remember i was into um planet side one was one of my favorite games of all time Mm -hmm. planet side two came out and there was a time, a very small amount of time in the grand scheme of things, where both those games existed, and you could play them both online at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, or, and um, but my my question at that time was like, why would any like as much as I love Planet Side One, why would you play it? Planet Side Two is out. That's the new game, uh-huh. and so and that's essentially what happened. Then they closed down Planet Side One, right? So, I'm just curious if this is the new. If this is the new model and what that means for game preservation and stuff like um, that, I guess, you know. I don't expect, I, I never expect an online game only to exist in, you know, f- forever. Um, that being said, I don't think Ubisoft is looking at the division and, and kind of twirling their mustache and thinking, oh, we can shut it down now. You know, it uh, the division was popular. The division two is, is looking to be just as popular, if not more popular, but Ubisoft, there's nothing good about shutting down the division. Now, that being said, the division two appears to be taking the new model that Ubisoft aims for, which is the year, the pass for each year. So the division two appears to be more of a a game as a service than the division one, which only had a a small season pass and then they were done. So with the division two, you're going to be getting something similar to Rainbow Siege six, where you're getting yearly content and it's a it's a service as opposed to a sequel with dlc and then they'll do another sequel and i really hope that's what you know destiny 2 does uh because that was you're right like that's one of the biggest issues you look at world of warcraft it's been around for 10 years that's because they always treated as a game as a service and they just kept like latching onto it and updating and updating right and there's both good and bad things to that uh good in the sense that you have the same game that you've been able to enjoy and you just buy new content for it bad in the sense that you are tied to an old engine 
and technically you can't play WoW Vanilla. Uh, well, you will be when the Classic launches, but you can't play it right now, even though you technically own it. But you can play The Division, you can play Destiny 1 if you uh, if you want to, but uh, The Division 2 is out now, and, and I think it's worth it. I think if you're looking at both and you want to try it, The Division is an easy one to pick up and try, but I wouldn't sink much time into it. If you're really enjoying it, I would look at The Division 2, because the connection between the two is so minimal that you're not gaining an advantage in Division 2 by knowing the story of the Division, because, like, the story, like, we would even be on a main mission, My, you know, Matt and I, and we're, we're kind of listening to the story in the back of our minds, and it's like, this story is, like, it's so inconsequential. Like, who cares who these people are? Let's be the good <laughs> guys. They're the bad guys. Let's make this community prosper. Let's fill some bars. Let's Let's loot some loot. And just have a good time. And that's what we've been doing. Like, we, we pop in and, you know, do a main mission, do a side mission, progress. But we're not, like... It wasn't like Anthem where we felt like we were un, unraveling the story, you know? So that's my biggest, you know, critique of The Division 2. Everything around it is really great, but the story is just so lackluster. Like, there's just barely anything to it. Like, it's just random people like, oh, this person's the crafter. Of course they are. There's no rhyme or reason for them being the crafter, no backstory. They just kind of like, oh, you hit a you hit a certain milestone, great, you unlock crafting. And then here's a random person that you should now care about. And I was like, eh, who cares? Just make my stuff, you know? Um, it's fun. Just make, my, just make my stuff, sucker. Yeah. And I'm going to be back, too, when I dismantle all this crap and make you make gloves out of all this steel. I don't know. They better be purple epic grubs or yeah. I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I am having a lot of fun with it. It's just the story kind of cracks me up. I'm a big story person. And, like, every once in a while I'll be like, man, this story just, there's nothing to it. Makes no, like, there's stuff there, but, like, it's inconsequential. Like, you don't even have, you don't even have to care about it. But it's dumb no, fun. I, it's really dumb fun. I'm having a great time. And... and- People are more yeah, like and I think people are more receptive to that. Anyway, I I'm I'm curious about that when it's been getting a, a, a um a lot of hype, but not curious enough to stick my my toe in it uh, yeah. yet. I'll probably miss the the wave of excitement. Um, speaking of waves of uh of I guess excitement, more like uh what is it when a plague oh ravages humanity. epidemic. Epidemic mm-hmm. wave of ep- an e- wave of epidemic. Um, I got together a couple of times over the vacation with oh. uh, with uh, some of my friends to play a board game. Uh, now, here's the thing: as parents, we as geeky parents, we want to get together and we desperately would like to play something like a D campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we do we recognize what always happens, which is that. We get together. We we have an epic night. We say uh, we're going to do this all the time, and then we can never make it happen again. And then when we do, we're like, "Oh my god, where were we on this?" And <laughs> it's it, 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 it's kind of like, and it's often months down the line, and then we do something else. So then, the alternative is often board games, and board games um, seem to fall into two categories: the the quick quick and you know, quick and easy with minimal sort of involvement or the long and complicated, but very engaging. So you could play a game that takes an hour, but 
it's going to be, you know, like it's it's probably going to be fun, but then you, why would you necessarily play another one if you're spending a three-hour, four-hour night with your buddies? Maybe you want a longer game, but then there's these epically long games. So finding that sweet spot has been tough. Um, and and that's why this game, Pandemic Legacy, which is, I think, fairly well-known board game at this point, worked just yeah. perfectly for us. Um and it's so it, it's it's a three to four player. Uh, and if you're not, have you ever played Pandemic, Ryan? The, I, the vanilla Pandemic. I have not, but I've heard of it, and I've seen, I've held the board game, but I've never played it. But I've I've held I've it. Held I held it, it in my hands, and I was I, like, I wrote. I rotated the box. I looked at the back. I saw the price tag. I was like, "Oh shit!" And then I put it back on the shelf, and I walked out of the store. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, uh, Pandemic. Is a game that I actually had played a lot before on, on, on sort of board game nights and stuff. And it's a very like, um, it's a very robust what I think co- collaborative game where you're working as players together against this sort of virus. And it's very. I feel it's very well made, but. Um, if you play a few rounds of Pandemic, you can kind of get good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can, especially if you're all on the same page. And uh, yeah, there's luck involved and stuff as well. But you can kind of get good at it. You choose classes that are complementary and you, you, you're trying to solve this virus. Like somebody's the medic and somebody's the quarantine specialist. And it's they each have their attributes and you figure out who works well together. And, um, and so we stopped playing Pandemic um, after a few games because – it had been fairly, you know, it was fun. We had a good time, but at that point, we felt we'd kind of seen it. Well, mm-hmm. Pandemic Legacy is part of this new wave of board games where, like, you actually are only intended to play like a campaign, which is, um, you know, twelve to twenty some games uh, once. So. What that means is that there are points in the game where it tells you cut up this card or destroy this card, put stickers on your board. Um, you're like permanently like right on things. You're permanently destroying essentially hmm. the the board game. Um, so that that's weird. That was like screwy for me that as somebody who's like my mind. It, it does. It it really does. But that's partly intentional. Uh-huh. Um, and in uh, in the you know, like when you get right down to it, um, to put twenty games into any board game, uh, it's almost it's almost unlikely that you're you're going to to get that. So so I keep talking about the waste of it all, and uh, but there are people like there's Pandemic Legacy um, Red and Pandemic Legacy Blue, and I was like, what's the difference? There is no difference. It's for people who are playing two games at once, two campaigns at once. And don't want to get mixed up. That's oh. all. That's all it is. That's how ubiquitous this, this game is. So it's essentially so, like it's your it's your family kit, and I play blue with the family, and that's our campaign. We play the blue campaign, and then my friends we play the red campaign, and then you know, like, oh, it's a blue night. Uh, so yep. can you give an example of like tearing a card up? Like if a character dies, or like is it that final? Um, or so so. It, it it's played over each game is supposed to be a month of the year and it's right. a one year game so technically you could potentially win the game in if you won every game in 12 games you could win unlikely all right huh. but you could but you could and then at the beginning the first month is a vanilla pandemic it's right. like pretty fairly vanilla um and then uh 
and then in the second month, you you every month you draw cards from this deck, and there's stop signs in in the deck, and it'll say stop here or whatever, and the cards will say stuff like uh, will change things. Sometimes there'll be a new objective. Hmm. This is a very mild spoiler. If you really really don't want to be spoiled anything about Pandemic Legacy, you should stop listening now. But this is like the first thing that happens, so it's really not that big a deal. But like. It's kind of important to understand how the game works. So you play the first the first game, and then you're drawing the cards. And one of the first things that happens is randomly one of those four viruses that you're supposed to cure becomes uncurable and untreatable. So that's a huge twist. And then it then it changes like how you how you play the game. And then they introduce like the quarantine specialist and and uh, it'll say like open box three, and then you open it and there's like a there's like new figurines in it or new like whatever and so like you're opening like these manila envelopes of like top secret instructions during the game and like so like it it unfolds as it goes on and like we're dying to know what's in some of the sometimes we pick up the boxes and we'll shake them and be like this one's pretty this one's just paper you know like and and when we get there and we know and supposedly the end of the game gets crazy well uh, but in exit Example of a card that would get ripped up mm-hmm. is your objectives change. So in the beginning, it's like cure all four viruses, but then then like you might get a new objective, and they might li- they might literally say on the new objective, rip up all prior objective cards, you know, and, and then you're you're just to rip them up because that's mm-hmm. ne- you know you never have those objectives again. Um, uh, there's other there's other situations where they'll they'll say rip up a card. It's not super common yet. It may become more common later. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you put stickers on your cards. Like you at the end of every game, you can upgrade um, either your characters, mm-hmm. some cards in the deck, the board cities on the board, and so you ha- you get stickers that you can put on the, all those places. Like I regularly play the medic. We've given him two upgrades. He can also get scarred, and so bad things can happen to him. And I so, can put uh, stickers on there. Sorry, that, I'm going crazy. Well, yeah, oh, it's fine. I mean, you're you're passionate. Uh, it sounds like the game. It sounds really cool. I feel like though the issue with Pandemic Legacy, all your friends, you know, uh, the GBB crew, and you know maybe others. Uh, you're, they're local. It sounds like they're local. You can call them over and be like, hey, I'll be there uh, in a couple, like in a half hour, you know? So you have a group, that a steady group that can play these board games. I think Pandemic Legacy requires that, like someone, you, like a group you can bring together because, and they have to enjoy it too. This is my problem with board games. It's like the closest people here locally um Ticket. I mean, it might not be exactly true, but like the most people around are, are, you know, Ashley's family. They do like board games, but they're very particular. And I feel like this one would either it would go over m- most people's heads, or they just wouldn't. They would not find the setup f- interesting enough. To me, it sounds really interesting. To me, it sounds really simple and 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 kind of unique. But I just feel like it's. Once you introduce Cards Against Humanity to a family and that's what they latch on to and like even five years after the popularity has waned, they're still asking to play it. Like I think you've kind of figured out their game. <laughs> it doesn't sound like Is this would be their game. Vanilla Pandemic, what's interesting, mm-hmm. so two point, tier two points. Point number one, yes, play with, with, with folks around, but, but yeah. Um, sometimes like if you have a crew of like three people like pandemic legacy is like four person tops game um and so it's like you know 
if you have two, you can even play two, three. Three is pretty is, is really good, and four four would be pretty awesome, I would imagine. I'm playing three right now, and um, and uh, the thing about the thing about uh, the complexity is pandemic vanilla pandemic is probably similar in complexity to something like Settlers of Catan, or maybe. Mm. Maybe the original risk. I don't like so. It, vanilla pandemic is not super complicated. It, it's mm. it's actually fairly simple, and they do encourage you even before starting the campaign if nobody has played pandemic before to play some games of just regular pandemic, which you totally can before you destroy the board. Um, oh, but uh, so like you can just play, and the the first month is essentially vanilla pandemic as well, but. Yeah. What's interesting about it, and this is what I find, that's why I find that it would be a good gateway drug uh, for board game people, because Pandemic itself is a fairly simple game. Uh, and so you could play Pandemic, and then instead of having a rules dump at the beginning of the game, you, they add variables slowly over time, right? Like, so by the end of 12 months, of this game or 12 games or whatever, and which will would take multiple sessions, hmm. you're suddenly playing a super complicated game, but you weren't originally right. Yeah. Like it's, it, it slowly got more complicated that, and every, layering it on, they layer it on. And hmm. I think it's, I think it's done in a way that like, if you were looking to be like, Oh, you know, my wife likes games like this, but, or my husband likes games like this, but he doesn't like, super complicated games this would be like they you would be like hey pandemic oh yeah it's very it's like we treat the virus and we go around and let's do this and it's fairly simple and then and it, you're all working together which is a big thing nobody's in competition with one another mm -hmm. but then pandemic legacy is like you know um open box three and now there's this and open box four and now there's this but it happens so progressively over multiple nights and multiple times that, yeah. that it, it it sneaks up on you. I think. I think I could, if if I don't want to say put forth the effort, but like I think if I really really wanted to, I could get together with people locally to play Pandemic Legacy, and it would be a great time. And I think Ashley would really enjoy the game as well because it, it like that's that's the beauty of it. You don't lead in with the fact that it's twelve games that cover twelve months. You lead in with like well, we play this game, and then the uniqueness of it is is that you you actually are physically progressing through the game in a way where you are modifying cards either through destruction or modification which sounds sounds really cool i had no idea that was the case i had again i had seen the game i had held it in my hands and then i set it down and i never and i never played it uh, i think it was at a friend's place and i said oh this looks interesting and i i think they might have said something where like ah oh, we can't really play that game because we've already kind of like progress through it a little bit like we're kind of halfway through the campaign and to me this was before board games had that type of complexity in my mind like board games were always monopoly risk settlers of Catan was kind of the most advanced for me uh, but now it's just it's a it, it's a wild west when it comes to this stuff that you can do anything with a board game that 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 would even surprise surprise many people like even um What's the one that's big now? Gloomhaven. That's such a huge, huge undertaking. Uh, so Gloomhaven is like we're talking. We're now talking about it because we're like, well, once we're, we, we're all we're we're super into this game, and we figure like, yes, there's a season two of like uh, of Pandemic Legacy. We may 
play season two after, or we may want to break, but it's now opened the door to like these games, which I think are like, if you go to board game geek or whatever, mm. they're like pandemic legacy is number two and Gloomhaven is number one of the top board games. And it's, it's like this, this people have discovered this thing. It's like, Hey, if you destroy the boards permanently, you can really up the stakes. And, yeah. uh, and so, so it's definitely um, added a, a neat wrinkle to it. Anyway, I, I, I recommend people check it out if they're looking for a game, especially a, like sometimes like for us, it came about too, because we were looking for a three player game. We have a hard time getting a fourth sometime. And so we were like, well, we need a three, what worked well, three players. And uh, this definitely does. Uh, it's like 80 bucks Canadian pandemic legacy. Uh, yeah. Huh. So, uh, but um, I thought it would cheaper be cheaper. Yeah, because you're destroying it. No, in fact, it's more expensive than regular pandemic, and it has way more. It has way more pieces, obviously. Hmm. But like, then again, if you think about it, it, my my buddy was telling me this the other day. He was like, "Think if you think about it, it's like you're eighty. So, so you're paying eighty bucks, but you, we've already had two nights of like the three of us playing like." three hours and we're only like 25% through the campaign. Right. So by the end divided by three, like the amount of um, a money per time spent is it's pretty good value. Like, yeah, well, Oh, uh, if don't get me wrong. Like for video games in Canada is 80 bucks plus tax. And like some of those, you're not getting more than, than 20 or 30 hours. And if you're playing 12, games within this game and progressing through season one and i just looked it up yeah like 80 bucks for season one 85 for season two and that's on amazon and those are third-party sellers so like i i think you'd end up spending about the same at like a game shop or whatever um so yeah no i i mean that's a board that's what board games cost and i i guess it's just like the monopolies of the world have kind of ruined the value of games for me like board games Right, right, right. You know, because I know I know board games are expensive and they deserve to be expensive. It's physical pieces that you can play over and over again, and they're designed to be repeatable and fun. And that's the difference between a, a physical game and a, and a video game. And that video games sometimes are meant to you pay the forty hours and and you move on. And and uh, honestly, these days I'm happy if I can get twenty hours into a game and, and enjoy myself. Yeah, value uh, well earned. Uh, Speaking of value well earned, mm. uh, being cognizant of the time, just moving into some of the diaper sections, and I'd like to thank my wife right now, Jessica. If, if she's still listening, to, yeah. If you managed to listen to this episode through the division and divinity oh, and yeah. pandemic Blame legacy, the division. Mine, mine yeah. was not that boring. I put them all together. Like if you got through the dungeons, <laughs> you delved through the dungeons and you came out the other side into this field of diapers. Um then I give you full credit because uh, because today was like I wanted to talk about my things and and Ryan wanted went into the division and and it's all Ryan's fault and it's you should Ryan's blame Ryan fault. and you should all blame Ryan sure, but uh, but yeah um, in terms of in terms of diapers there's been actually a big change for us mm -hmm. uh, recently which is that my wife went back to work her maternity leave is over it ended last week. Um, I took the week off to sort of support that. Now, I, I know for a lot of listeners, maternity leave may be shorter if it exists at all, like it, in your countries. In, in, in Canada, we get a, a sizable chunk and she gets um, – she got like a year. So hmm. this was – but Clara uh, is still 11 months because she was late. And so uh, 
uh, that means that you know she hasn't even had her first birthday and my wife's going back to work obviously very tough on mom not that tough on her she actually took has taken to daycare really really well huh. like perfectly and she started uh walking actually which is crazy to us because nice. our first child I don't know about you, Ryan, but like my first child only started walking when she was like 17, 16, 17 months or something. Hmm. Like they, they were both, they were both uh, either around, they were both around the year mark, if not just before. Like Caden, Caden and Abby were both very adventurous and they still are adventurous. Like they, they love to, they're very rough and tumble. So like they were, they were ready to go. They were not cautious when it came to walking to, to much to our, you know, kind of like, watch, don't, you know, so it, it was a lot of, a lot of that, but yeah, they were walking pretty, pretty much around the year mark. Um, but man, Caden, Caden would probably dig daycare after a couple of days once he realizes he gets to play with kids. But Abby is so attached right now that she would freak like Ashley will, I'll be, we'll be bathing the kids and Ashley would leave to go start laundry or go sort clothes uh, while you know, or get closer to the kids' room before they go to bed, and Abby will freak out. Like I gotta put on a puppet show for her to just be distracted that mommy's no longer in the room, you know. So yeah, it's really it, good that Clara's uh, is is a, is doing well with daycare. And sometimes it's earlier stuff. Like it's like if she's not old enough to really. You know, I I don't know. Like she she old enough to get attached. I don't I don't know. She just really like maybe it's loving the big sister and the big kids and and um, you know there's yeah other at eleven brothers. months I think like Abby's Abby will be two in August so she's about a year and a half and yeah I think once you get past that year mark they they do make more of an association and you know Ashley uh, we're fortunate enough that she would just works part time so she's able to be home with the kids full time. Uh, and, and that's probably why the kids are, are, are so much, they're very attached, uh, not, not to the point where it's a problem, but they're attached in the sense that they're with her every day, you know, uh, for the last, well, since they were born. So no, that's, I, I get that. And everybody has sort of a, a kind of different, different thing. One thing I liked was that last week during the, um, during the transition, like the first day, I just had her at daycare for an hour and I was at home, like Jess was at work, right? Mm -hmm. I was at home. So then, I, and then the second day it was an hour and then the third day she did a nap there and then the fourth and fifth days she did full days. Oh, but nice. but it, I had a lot of time with her last week and that was really that was really great as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so no, it was it's it's been a big deal and like for us now, today was the second day ever where like I'm back at work, Jesse's at work, Gwen is having to do an extended day at the at the kindergarten, which normally ends at two thirty. So now we're she's staying she's staying there later, so she's obviously more tired. And then Clara is at the the daycare. So there's like double drop offs in the morning. And I'm really appreciating what a lot of parents have had to do, you know, and we're gonna be doing for years, like um the managing all this stuff and the crazy mornings and the like like putting the bedtimes and then immediately making lunches and like there's a lot that goes into uh, being a parent and I've been into babies so much that hmm. like the, going into the kid world and and that with Gwen it, it's there's a whole new set of challenges you know or yeah we're we're not doing the daycare thing and and you know we 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 made a decision early on where 
uh, you know, Ashley wanted to be home with the kids and I super supported that because when I grew up, my mother, you know, she stopped working while we, and, and, you know, when we say stop working, like being home with the kids is, is, I don't, I don't describe it as a, as a full-time job, but it's a, you, it requires your full-time attention, of course. Um, and, and I don't describe it as a job because they're, they're your kids and you love to be around them. Not that it's not hard work. It's definitely hard work. Uh, and, uh, just in case Ashley starts listening to this, um, <laughs> I know, I know, but I think I did pretty good. I think, yeah, it, yeah, you know, you I think I, well. I think I dug up pretty well there. Um, yeah. but I, I, I'm, it's different. Like I think I, I would, I would like our kids to go to some sort of daycare at some point. I like the idea of there being that transition. Like we've talked about this on this show about that hard snap of, being home with your parents for four years, then suddenly being shipped off to school. Like, can you blame the kid if they have a hard time making that transition after four years of being, of knowing one thing and then going straight into kindergarten? And I, and I do like the idea of starting that transition, um, soon. Cause Caden, he's going to be going to school, not, not or, uh, next year. So next September, not this September, but next September, he'll be going to school. And that's crazy to say out loud. And and if I were to think about it, um, I think he'd do all right. But I I think he would benefit from ex- some experience of, of okay, now go on and we'll pick you up in, at the end of the day. And you know we've we've talked about looking at, I think we'd have to look right now and figure out where to put him uh, to to get that experience because those programs obviously fill up quick, you know. Right, right, right. But no, for yeah. sure, it, it's really uh, you know, like we we had the. Go ahead, leave a home daycare, and then go into a daycare center right. for a year. And part of it was that the home daycare, which was great, and the lady was so amazing, but she was now the oldest kid. It wasn't really being challenged anymore. Right. And uh, and this daycare center also provided like sort of, um, I guess, training wheels for school. Like and uh, um, and we've benefited from that from Gwen but even with all that she was very very tired when she started um school for the first time late last year but yeah I know for us it's just it, it it's craziness right now like mm-hmm. and uh and the I juggling must I, be uh interesting <laughs> it is like in the morning uh one of us does one one of us does the other but Jesse works shorter hours so that she's able to do pickup but if not like if we both work 37.5 hours and like had to, you know, balance the drop-offs and pickups, which a lot of parents do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it is, uh, they they definitely have my appreciation. It, it, it's, it's tough. The only fly in the ointment that we have had is that we've had um, uh, some sibling jealousy start. And uh, that's... Uh, they get the girls get on super great, and Clara loves Gwen. The youngest loves the oldest like crazy, mm-hmm. and the oldest loves Cl- Clara as well. But lately, like you know, Clara has started daycare, and she started walking, and she started to say some words, and so. Needless to say, we're giving her like we're like wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Clarica, you know, walk to me. Oh, wow, that's great. And uh, we're we're seeing definitely from the older sibling like she's blocking her while she's trying to walk, and she's she's like she's not being like the worst, but mm-hmm. she's she's clearly jealous and requiring a lot of like re- positive reinforcement, and it's not something that I had it anticipated i thought we had 
we're past like jealousy of the baby type stuff, but, but I guess it like, it grows with the kids. Yeah. Uh, Caden, Caden's kind of doing the same thing. It's almost like silent protesting until, until he pushes or pulls or does something like that. And, and there is that, yeah, you do feel it. And I, yeah, there's that twinge of, uh, of guilt after, you know, being even like, if Abby does something hilarious, like she says something like the other day. Uh, so Ashley, I said she works part time. She works Thursday nights and Saturdays. So Thursday nights, I come straight from home from work uh, and she races off to work for, for a couple hours or four hour shift or something. And so I have the kids, I bathe them, I put them to bed by myself. And there there are instances where you have to split your attention. And, and Abby, I have video of this and I might post it because it is hilarious. Abby's down here uh, in the hallway playing with these Easter eggs. And I'm like trying to get her to come upstairs, trying to get her to come upstairs for dinner. I'm like, Abby, come up for dinner. And she just goes, no. And I'm like, well, dinner's ready. Come on up. And I don't like her being down here because there's so much <laughs> electronics in the office that doesn't have a door. Have we talked about that? Uh, so oh, she, yeah. She can get into all these very expensive rooms. And I'm just saying, come upstairs. Let's eat. No. And then Caden will come over and is like, daddy just leave her like let's just eat dinner and <laughs> you know it's like well K- you know Caden obviously wants attention because he wants he wants to eat dinner and and abby's down there and she's she's her own she's kind of her own person sometimes because she learned how to say no you know and uh but there is that that sort of not jealousy but kind of like this combatantness where you're paying more attention to the younger one because they they are younger and they require more attention. And you know the older one is perfectly capable of, of kind of, you know, occupying themselves for a couple minutes while you try to, you know, appease Abby who who may or may not be upset because she can't find Zuma, you know? Uh, Zuma. I know. It's this big thing. Like, she's a, we've talked about this every other week. She is a huge fan of Zuma. Every Paw Patrol person is Zuma. She's wearing a Zuma shirt. Every time Ashley goes clothes shopping to, like, you know, Talese or, or Value Village, there's some sort of like, oh, don't worry, it's a it's a Paw Patrol jumper, but it only costs two bucks. I'm like, we're all going to be wearing Paw Patrol shirts eventually. Because, like, <laughs> Abby will even refuse to put on her coat if she's wearing a Zuma shirt. Because she'll be like, no, Zuma, Zuma, Zuma. And she starts unzipping her coat. It's like, well, you need to go outside. You know? We're all Zuma. They're all it's Zuma. Like... And she's obsessed. She has Zuma. She has a Paw Patrol uh, pillow, a Paw Patrol, you know, she sleeps with several Paw Patrol pups. One of them is Zuma, yes. And she doesn't watch the show. She's just picked it up through Caden, who she'll see, like, snippets of episodes. Even now, like, so she's still nursing. uh, And she has to have, like, some sort of Zuma in her hand. Sometimes it, it even has to be, like, an image of zuma and that's that's <laughs> i don't get it either i see your face i don't understand it it's like there are a lot of great pups but zuma like it's such a weird one to latch onto, and that's he my gets zuma no update. attention uh, yeah. yeah no i'm glad we should have a zuma corner for every zuma week. watch <laughs> it is funny though what kids will latch on to like gwen latched on to like you know the I think it's one of those classic toys. Where it's like the stacking rings on the. Oh yeah, the wooden on the, rings yeah. on the wooden well, egg. Well, they're not. They're plastic. Oh, plastic. They're actually, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a, it's like a plastic Fisher Price thing with the, the different colored rings. Well, Gwen, when she's a baby, 
or maybe about Clara's age now, thereabouts, she would love the green ring. She didn't give a shit about any of the other rings. And it was really funny because she would desperately need it. So we'd have them all stacked up. She would grab it. She'd just be like, throw, throw, throw. Here's the green ring. And then mm-hmm. she'd walk around the room with it. She would make a fuss if you took it away. The yeah. green ring. She'd have to sleep with that stupid green ring. And it's, <laughs> and it's, it's just funny because, like, for you, it's like, it, for Abby, it's Zuma in, uh-huh. in general. Uh, but every parent knows, like, everybody's got a thing like that where it's like their kid is just, like, obsessed with something. Right now, Clara has not latched on to anything other than causing destruction in general. Right. Uh, but there's nothing that's, that's that she, maybe food. But uh, but aside from that, she hasn't she hasn't jumped onto it. So, no, I the, the jealous sibling thing is just uh, – it's just tough as a parent because – there's these moments like your kid taking first steps or saying first words or like they're big moments. And when Gwen was doing them, we, we were like, wow, this is amazing. Get your camera and let's take a shot. And like, this is a huge, a huge thing with second kid. It's like, you've got, you're like, Hey, Hey, come take your first steps. Come on. And then you've got the second kid just be like, Hey, get out of my way. Hey kid. Uh, you know, and jump, <laughs> jumping in there. You're like, come on, give us this moment for Christ's sake. And then she starts, she starts crying. You don't love me as much, you know, yeah. or what or she does. She doesn't, but like she'll, she'll, she'll say, she'll say, and this is heartbreaking. Oh. I feel left out, you oh, know, like, really? yeah, that's one of her big things. Like, cause, 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 um, Jesse will ask her from time to time, Gwen, are you feeling left out or something? And she'll say it. So, so now she knows, like if she's, Hmm. she knows to identify that feeling. She uses it accurately. She doesn't say it just to say it. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah. But it's brutal when you hear it, you know, you're like, Oh God. So when your kid, you've got one baby taking their first steps and you're like, Oh baby. And you want to show her, a pre, like your love and, and support and all this. But meanwhile, you have your other kid who's telling you that they feel left out and you're like, well, this is a kind of a big moment. So I, you know, I don't know. So it is very tough uh, to juggle that with the two kids anyway. Yeah. Like Caden, Caden likes to play. So he, he has a train table and he, he likes to set up these tracks. Abby doesn't really do it much anymore, but Caden would set up these tracks and then Abby would run over and she just like pull it apart and throw it on the ground and Caden would, like, rightfully so, kind of lose his mind, like, screaming and saying, no, Abby, no. And and I come in, and it's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Abby's tearing apart my train track, and he's hysterical. He's crying, and I, and I turn to Abby. It's like, Abby, you can't pull this stuff apart. Caden's playing with it. You can play with him. And she doesn't understand. She thinks it's hilarious. So you just say, okay, Abby, go play, and I'll fix the train table and the tracks and stuff. And now, like, a couple months later... Abby's starting to actually take the trains and put them on the tracks and play with Caden. Uh, but it's funny enough, like, Caden hasn't built a track since she's kind of latched <laughs> onto the idea. So I don't give a shit about this anymore. Yeah, exactly. She likes it now. Screw it. Yeah, Caden's big thing now for a good portion was was building for, uh, building vehicles. So the first thing he'd do when he'd get, he'd get up is he'd go downstairs, take every toy he could find in the living room, and stack it on top of the couch and be like, this is my vehicle. And I was like, great. We have two couches in the living room. We now only have one. We haven't got to the point where, like, no, this is mommy's couch. You don't stack shit on top of it so that she can, you know, breastfeed your sister. So it's it's one of those things where they're constantly evolving. And I feel like Caden, Caden and Abby now are at a point where they're, like, they're partners in crime. 
where they are they're like the Tasmanian devils. They like I come home from work and the living room is just it looks like a tornado went through. And well, they the, are quite close in age. That's what yeah, they they are they like because Gwen is four and a half and Clara is not even one. Right? Like yeah. so, she one has baby needs, one has full child needs. You mm-hmm. know, like so it's it's kind of a whereas your two will be they will be like buddy buddy partners like I, for I think sure. So. Yeah, they they they'll have the the same sort of requirements and needs. I'll be interested in the same movies at the same time, right? Like, like at one point when, you know, Gwen is eight, she's probably not going to want to watch the stuff like already, like Clara wants to watch, like Clara for some reason is fascinated by the baby bum thing on uh, Netflix. Like, mm. I'm not sure if you've seen this, ba- these baby bum uh, nursery rhymes. Like, they're, I think, designed for babies, but it's amazing how well they work. Like, if Clara's watching My Little Pony or anything else, she'll, she loses interest in two seconds. But the baby bum, oh, it's okay. like hypnotism. Uh, and, uh, and so anyway, but Gwen is already, she's like, oh, baby Bob, who gives a shit about that? Let's watch some Care Bears, you know? Yeah, um, like Caden, Caden loves, uh, and we'll probably talk about this, you know, cause it's, it's been happening for a while. It'll probably continue to happen, but we'll talk about Caden's, you know, sleep schedule on our next episode. But he, he is big into, he switches between Paw Patrol and, and, uh, PJ Masks. Uh, and he likes the oh, yeah. TV time, but man, I cannot wait until it's already starting to get warmer. And we we've been actually going out to the park after dinner before bedtime every day. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to go outside without having to to bundle the kids up. I think we're getting we're getting to the point where it's only like one layer instead of two plus mitts plus toques. So um, I know I'm I'm appreciating that as well. And I expect by the time we roll out our next episode, we will be in full tilt spring. Oh, can wait. Will... It will be so good. But uh, before that, I think it's time we wrap up this delightful episode with uh, a little look at our uh, maybe listener feedback. Mm-hmm. So um, we got we heard from Derek on Twitter, uh, which we appreciated because it was something very flattering. He said, once again, I have to say how much I enjoy the Dungeons and Diapers podcast with Ryan and Crofton. Uh Though my kids are older, I love listening to the various escapades that are dealt with. And that's awesome to hear because sometimes I wonder, like, it's like Stockholm Syndrome, Ryan. Like, if if you're going through this, like, we're all communally having therapy Mm -hmm. at the same time. But it's it's cool to hear somebody like Derek say, like, hey, you know what? Even though I'm older, my my kids are out out of this, this cycle or into a into their teendom and beyond, I can appreciate the craziness that you guys are going through. So thank you, Derek. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to give a a quick shout out to it's unrelated, but you talk about, you know, commiserating and, you know, sort of a a theory therapy of some kind. I actually heard from, um, you know, a fan of, uh, of gamers and who's actually listening to Dungeons and diapers now as well. He started his own podcast about, you know, gaming and uh, uh, not gaming, but technology and uh, being a dad. It's kind of like it's 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 similar to Dungeons and Diapers. the The biggest difference is that they uh, they have accents. They're from oh gosh, now I can't remember. I think they're from New Zealand. Oh, nice. Yeah, ordinary dads. And again, they're probably listening to this. And if I got it wrong, I think it's like you're not supposed to confuse people from New Zealand and Australia. I'm pretty sure it's New Zealand. How, what so was that Ryan, dig up motion? 
I will. Yeah, you, you're digging. You're digging a big hole in that. But it's really Here's great. Ordinary dads. It's like uh, what's the guy? Uh, Dan and Mike. I think is their names. Here's the deal. Hmm. I uh, I actually am a New Zealand citizen. Uh, Ryan, what? you really? may not have known that. Yeah, I didn't my mom know that. is. My mom is from Amaru, south of Christchurch in New Zealand, on the South Island. And uh, yeah, if my parents had made, uh, you know, they got married in London, England, after driving all the way across Asia, they chose to come to Canada, but they could have gone to New Zealand. I could have been doing this podcast on Ordinary Dads with uh, with those guys. That's true. And they didn't were- invite you because you didn't have the accent, I think, is what is what the problem was. It, my mom does. Uh, and I oh, will cool. say that um that uh, you were absolutely right australia and new zealand uh if you get them confused uh, they don't like that at all they are in competition much <laughs> oh in it is australia way. is it okay if you call someone from australia that they're from new zealand uh i think it's more insulting to the oh. new, Ze- new, new zealanders like new zealanders are like they're the ones that are the small like when you think about it it's crazy because they have like a like a microcosm of our relationship with the states we're like the state's little brother that's right there well new zealand is like that to australia but what's so funny is australia has less people than canada and new zealand is is like four million people or something mm-hmm. so it, it is it is kind of like it is hilarious like if we were down there if we if we took canada and put it down there we would be the big we would be the superpower like huh. people would be like whoa they're so big well i apologize for the confusion but yes they have they're from australia ordinary dads dan and mike it's a great po- uh, a great podcast oh. and uh you should check it out if you're looking for more parent geek parenting stuff i've been listening to it and i and i think it's great they're from Australia. Well, I hate them in principle. <laughs> okay. I'm fr- I didn't clear it with you beforehand, and uh, I, <laughs> I don't know why I made the mistake. I think I've been listening to another podcast where they're from New Zealand. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't so, so if you uh, want to uh, to hear more from us, you can dive into the archives, which we now have. We're like yeah. we're into the double digits. You can visit us on the web at tgistudios.com slash dad. Uh, you can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. We would love to hear from you. We would read your mail on online uh, and, uh, and live and in person and all that. You can even say, like, would like crofton to read it would like ryan to read it mm-hmm. on the email or whatever and we'll consider that um and uh, you can follow us on twitter we're both on there you can follow ryan at uh, at r murphy and myself at crofton steers that's gonna do it for this week for dungeons and diapers have a great week ryan have a great week everybody you too all right and let's end the show and play some sort of music yeah Bye, everybody. Bye.